Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. So Cork hammer Limerick. Who would have thought it? Outscored Limerick one twenty to one seven from play. Michael Carton's in studio. Brian Carroll's on the phone. Michael, I'll go to you first. This is incredible. Nobody saw this coming. Now, in fairness to Don Logue, Cusack and Henry Shefflin, they both went for Cork. I yeah. don't know what they were basing that on, but yeah. they went for Cork. And look, they know more than me. That's all I know. Yeah, and Cork were so disappointing the week before, Willie. So, like, it, I, I fancied Limerick myself. Look, I suppose the first game, Cork got the first game under the belt, came into it, and Moyler made four changes. And out of four, Bill Cooper was the big one for me. Like, he's, he's that enforcer in the middle of the park, and he didn't... The, Limerick's midfield are so important for them Woolley and they just hadn't got an influence in the game they couldn't get a foothold Keane Lynch rarely seen them get on the ball and distributing the ball like he normally does and that was the big big difference for me and even when Lahan went off the pitch after four minutes I was thinking oh no like a huge loss yeah. Alan Cadigan comes in and stars and it just shows the cork have a bit of strength and depth there as well so like at the, for, for, for the, after the first game I was worried for Cork and now they turned, turned it around so it's going to be interesting to see what goes on after this but I was really impressed with Cork they hurled really well they outfought Limerick which is a very difficult thing to do and we haven't seen it yet throughout the league so um, really impressive performance yeah, we no, interesting to see how they go forward they were absolutely brilliant and the big one here Brian is Mark Ellis right so he's in jeans last week watching the <laughs> match on the terrace goes off after that match and plays a football match and then he's back in holding the middle centre half back. Now that does not paint a picture of a squad that knows what they're really doing. No, that's some story. To be fair, it's actually fast. <laughs> um, but like fair play to him. Uh, the one thing I suppose the key difference was the way that they worked so hard. The, the half forward line, the midfield, they dropped back into that that space on the on the cork half back line, and they gave huge cover. And this is exactly what Limerick do to every other team um, for the last, I suppose, year and a half. And, like, that's the, the big difference. There was huge holes in that Cork defence against Tipperary. And in fairness to them, they, they identified their issues and, and the counteractions and to, to create a problem, really. And the work rate of the likes of Daniel Kearney and Bill Cooper and, and Luke Mead, like, that, that was phenomenal. Yeah, no, it and was. And I suppose, really, they attacked from the front. Like you know, that that's 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 crucial. Every one of their, their players were attacking the front. They left two boys inside and they played really close to each other. That that's also a very important part of if you are playing a two man full forming that they play right right beside each other, they're not spread out into the two corners where you know, you can't help each other out when, when the ball goes in. 
and the cost of insulation up there in front then as well. But look, the key thing was the difference in, in the defence, how tight they were, how they, they really clogged up that half-back line from their perspective. Yeah. And they worked the ball through the lines really well. Probably the player I feel a little bit, um, sorry for, unless he was carrying an injury to that game, was Tim O'Matney because, you know, Colin, you spoke a huge length about, you know, he's a young player, he's obviously a really good hurler. But, you know, look at, the, you know, going into your first game at centre-back and being left with little or no cover all around you as opposed to Mark Ellis coming in off the terrace and, and look at the cover. Look at the difference in the environment that he heard in. Yeah, no, well, that's definitely true. And I heard on the grapevine that Tim O'Matney was told during the week that he wasn't being uh, seen as a defender anymore. Oh. So he wielded the axe pretty good. To be fair, like John Myler bringing a fella in out of nowhere, and apparently he had told Ellis a month ago that he wasn't in his plans. So, like, I mean, you just have to look at it and wonder how the hell Cork won the game. Don Logue said before the game, he says, Cork will have no fear of coming of down to the Gaelic grounds. And he says, if any player does have fear, well, then he shouldn't be playing for Cork. And that was kind of it. No fear was a big thing. League versus championship, the whole way through the league are constantly saying, yeah, I have to put this into context what teams are doing Limerick may be in championship mode during the league and maybe not having another level where you know Cork yeah. had that other level There's lo- we'll talk about it in part two lads because there's loads of stuff to talk about Sean Moran you were in Parnell Park Brian Sean Moran uh, equalised in the last minute now Sean Moran has done this before he did it in Croke cool. Park against Kula um, he didn't hit this one well at all like he come, he bloody scuffed it really and it hit the ground how did it how did it go into the into the net Davy Fitzgerald says it's because it hit the ground he said if you hit the ground anything is liable to happen I would have thought hitting the ground on a dry day would slow the ball down no no anything can happen I think it can actually speed it up you do say you know hard stuff is bounced into the ground but he didn't even get to bounce it and it kind of skidded along the bottom of the ground and that can be really hard to stop as you've seen it went underneath Mark Fanning's hurl and a couple of defenders that were on the line so um, yeah he seemed to catch it the, the face of the hurl was open and it just skidded along the bottom of the ground and it could, it could be really hard to stop yeah no that's a, that's a big thing what he would be trying to bounce the ball in, in this hard ground and, and try and try and um, get it in because invariably it takes a hell of a shot to try and um, pass there was seven on the line if, you, if you're going to hit it high being honest you know yeah. any keeper worth their salt is going to stop that um, especially where the ball was placed on the 21 it was towards the D and you know I spoke about this last week that it's very hard to score a 21 yard swing and Sean Moore found a way he didn't hit very well but look as you said he's done this before he brought Kula um to the replay against the piercing and ended up winning the replay so he's um, he's a man for the big occasion he yeah. definitely is Davy Fitz says Michael that, that Mark Fanning was bullying he's actually bullying <laughs> he thinks you should have stopped it by a mile there was six defenders and him yeah. now is this a bit like a Messi soccer soccer free kick where the wall jumps and Messi puts it under it or you know good soccer players is it, is it going Mark to Fanning's the wall as well is, is, it? is the natural thing though when a, f- a fella is going to strike a thing like that to kind of lift your hurl maybe a little bit you know no or? well like, you'll always find Willie because I was always on the line for say penos or the goalkeeper will always take that step or two forward and he does obstruct vision because right. he's in front of you and he has a big goalie hurl and it's very hard if you're especially if you're behind him it's pure pot luck at the so ball So going at him and at the bottom of his feet the lads behind him won't see no, that No they won't and it's pure luck then to get behind and it's very hard to react that, at that speed to get to get in behind it but like Anthony Daly used to always especially at Paul Ryan like go low go low at all freeze like it looks much better when you hit a top corner but as a penalty taker, oh, you think you should always go low because as Brian said you just don't know what that bounce off a hard surface is going to be like or a soft surface got skids so um, look, the hurl definitely spun in Sean's hand. He definitely didn't make clean yeah. contact. But look, if, if the ball hits the ground, there's a chance, you know. Yeah. And, and plus, if you go high, the likelihood is you go over the bar. You see so many free takers going over a bar because they just hit get under a ball too much. So I think I'll always go low if, if I'm seeing it. And Sean's a bit of a specialist as well. You see him in club championship always taking the 21 yard freeze. The penos, he's so good at them. And right. He really does finish a lot. I know he missed one against Kenny, he went high, which is unusual, but he, he put one in the back of the net just before that, so he really is a specialist at, yeah, at them. Yeah, it seems to be good. It was a strike a bit reminiscent of me when I'm trying to hit, <laughs> hit, a, hit a slitter, and it sends, in a, your sh- it, it sends a shockwave down the whole, <laughs> yeah. the whole hurl into my hands. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, right, well, what about Conor Gleeson then, Brian? Obviously the second one is a stonewall yellow, 
the first one from what the RT camera showed was absolutely nothing. It's a disgrace that that could be ever uh, a yellow card. So the referee had no choice after giving him the shitty first yellow that he had to go. And that ruined the game then because even the matchup between him and Shane McCallan would have been fantastic, you know, even in its own right. Yeah, look, they're right. They picked it up then. The actual thing that happened seemed to be absolutely nothing, but he did seem to be uh, hurling at the edge and getting into Bubble Dwyer's face there a couple of times. And um, he certainly was he was really fired up for it. So maybe the umpire or the linesman had noticed that this was going on way too much with players off the ball and, right. and they saw it and they tried to you know, put a stop to it and give him a yellow card. Because he did pop up, if you're watching the corner of the screen, he popped up a couple of times, you know, letting forwards know that he was there. And um, so, so maybe it was he got a warning or two, and then eventually he was staying at it, and, and he got that yellow. That's that's the only thing I can begin to think that what it was, because the bit that was shown on camera last night showed that that, that particular instance there was nothing in it. But as I said, maybe there was form there, and uh, he had been pre pre warned. Yeah, no, maybe that makes sense. Ken McGrath tweeted about uh, Waterford, Michael. He says, very poor today. Our record since we last won the Munster Championship in 2010 is shocking. In the last nine years, we've played 18 matches and we've only won four. Yeah, it's worrying. Jeez, that's unbelievable, isn't it? And one thing about Waterford that, like I complain about the Bennett brothers and yeah. I, he, one of them was dropped, Shane was dropped yeah. and I didn't think they could play together. And even what Brian is saying that two men full forward line should stay together. They, yeah. run, they run away from each other which just doesn't make sense I think uh, Kevin Moran playing wing back right why are you playing uh, your leader the man who takes on responsibility gets up gets scores really hard to mark at wing forward or midfield playing wing back he's ageing he doesn't have the legs to follow a man. Now all he does is follow a man around. He's not their leader anymore. All he is is a bit part yeah. player. And like I mean, there's there's a lot of things wrong with Waterford. It epitomises Waterford for me, Willie. Like he was on Michael Brain, who's an absolute powerhouse. You see him run through the, at one stage of the pitch. Yes, he left everyone for dead, and he, he got six points on play. Michael Brain he was phenomenal. Oh, so it was more in the midfield. Yeah, was he, 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 every time you've seen a clip, Moran was on on Brain. You know, right. like well trying to be on him. You know that way. So. Well, then it's maybe a, he doesn't have the legs to go forward. It's a very tough ask, you know. Like yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like especially on, a, on an athlete like that, and I've never seen Kevin Moran as a man marker. He's he's a man who gets a ball and makes things happen on the pitch. So he's isolated there. And with the with the whole like um, sending off of Connor Gleeson, like Waterford team didn't seem to have a game plan. Like against Clare last week, they did no nothing for Tony Kelly, and then Connor Gleeson sort of filled that gap in the second half. He marked Tony Kelly, did a good job. So then they said, oh, we put him back in the full back line. It's an awful lot harder to mark a fella in the full back line than ha- out the pitch because if you lose him, and there's so much space, and especially on someone like Bubbles or Callanan, they're so good at creating space, and if you give them a yard, that's why he was failing non-stop for the first t- 20 minutes of the game because it's su- such a difficult ask for someone to go back, especially if you're playing in the middle of the park and then you're told to go back in the full back line. It just... It epitomised everything about Warford. They didn't seem to have a plan for anything, Willie. You know, yeah. and that's why I think they've been so disappointed in this championship so far. Yeah. What do you think of Kevin Moore and Brian? Do you take the do you take that point? He he doesn't seem to be their inspirational leader anymore. No, and like I, I get what they were trying to do. They were trying to you know play a really strong half back line, and you know allow, not go back to a sweeper, but you know have a half back line that they could really rely on, clog up the middle third. Um, but the Robin Peter to pay Paul is really there you know I think especially with his legs I think he's much more suited to being a half forward he, they can go route one with puck outs um, when, when they need to and, and as you said he, he always pops up with a couple of scores as well so yeah I think I think they need to, to get him back to wing forward but we spoke about this last week as well Willie didn't, you know there were a lot of similar type hurlers and um you know, they don't seem to have that ability to go roof one at times, which I think it, look, and it's been proven over last week. You need to mix your styles. I, I, it is important to, have, to be able to play both sides. I don't think you can be anyway um, dependent on one style or the other. But just on Waterford for a second, and, and the record is, is very poor. When you put it in black and white in statistics, but this is again part of my gripe with the whole Munster Championship. Like, Waterford finished last, last year they will probably finish last again this year in Munster. But they don't have to worry about relegation. You know, it's, uh, they'd probably win the relegation battle anyway, but they still don't have to go do it. You know, they, they, it's... it's as, as I, keep, I keep harping on about this. I just don't think, you know, it, again it comes back to, and you keep banging this drum, the elite hurling counties, they're untouchable. 
as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, they definitely are. Well, they should, the, Leinster and Munster should be treated equally. We're not going to get into that, but mm. they're not, which is completely no. wrong. And at the very least, they should play Carlo. They will beat them, yeah. but at least that's fair. At least they're both being treated the exact same way. So Tipper back celebrating freeze now, Michael. Paddy Maher <laughs> did a jump in the air and Michael Ryan got this out of them. Yeah. Maybe Liam Sheedy said, listen, it does us no harm the last time. Let's no. get back to a few Brendan Bugler fist pumps <laughs> when you win a free, lads. And let's get this crowd behind us. Well, Paddy Maher loves an L fist pump. It, it's, it, well, Michael Ryan banned them now. Uh, yeah. They weren't allowed to do it. <laughs> well, look, I love, as a back, as I, I said this before, Willie, like, you don't get to go up and get score, massive scores every so often. So a hook, a block or a free one is your time to celebrate, you know. So Brian wouldn't know too much about that. But like, I, I don't know, it's a bit of expression. You know, as, as a back, like if you do something and, you, and the crowd gets behind you, you get to give an old fist pump. I wouldn't be too fond of him, but uh, I, I have nothing against him, you know. It always worked for Bugs and it seems to work for Paddy Marr. Now, well, I, I have to say, I thought it was a cancer on the game. Yeah. Like it was, because it was spreading throughout counties yeah. like wildfire, the Milan yeah. effect. And I was very, very thankful to Michael Ryan, Brian, for <laughs> stamping this absolute eyesore out of the game. And God help us if Tipperary are back, because they're the market leaders in this. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love a good fist pump now, not going to lie. So yeah, but you're uh, scoring a goal, a, or you're yeah, getting I a, a have point. a track record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know what you mean. No, the worst ever for me was John Hanbury, uh, down to the years. Uh, if you recall, I think it was the 2015 All-Ireland against Kilkenny, and every single time he touched the ball or touched anyone, he was fist pumping and up into the crowd and... He was gone crazy, so he was. At one stage, he, he hit TJ Reid out over the, the end line. I think Kenny got a 65, and he's up to the crowd, two fists up to the crowd, and he's <laughs> celebrating. TJ Reid picks up the ball, goes out, hits the 65 between the posts, and not be minding that fool. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. I, I like, you know, it's all in. It's all in a, a little bit of balance, but uh, I do not hang with it every I, so often. I love a fist pump from a forward because I think all forwards should celebrate <laughs> scores, but fist pumps from backs, I think, are absolutely not. Uh, a lovely touch I saw uh, from Michael Ryan in Cusick Park, former Westmead manager, yeah. um, Brian. I'm not, do, I'm not sure, were you at this one on Saturday? I know you were in Parnell Park yesterday, but obviously ooh, awfully got hammered by Westmead. And Michael Ryan, who's not the manager anymore, was out in the field congratulating all yeah. the players. What a lovely, What a lovely touch. Yeah, and Michael Ryan is renowned as a you know a huge hurling man and a very genuine man and very well respected um, around the country. And you know he he obviously managed Waterford and, and, and he did a fine job at Westmead too. So look, it, I'm not surprised to see that the, the caliber of Michael Ryan. I've, I've spoken to him a few times now, and you know he's such a genuine man and uh, he, he's a, such a mad, passionate and love love for the game of hurling so you know it looks, it, it, it looks, it's lovely to see that and it's lovely that it actually got recognised and, and the, you know they got a picture of that because you know this is what ultimately hurling and football is all about Yeah no it definitely is now Offaly are in danger of relegation at least obviously beat Antrim um, so Offaly have lost their first two games and they have Kerry and Antrim left so it's incredible how it's turned around here now Brian that there's a real chance of Christy Ring hurling yeah, very, very much so. And we're very worried here in Offaly because it's very obvious from the outset that there's clear disharmony in the camp. They're not pulling together um, both management and players. Um, a lot of horrible people in Offaly are questioning the the layout of the team, the, the players being selected, and um, as I said, the positioning of certain players. And uh, It just seems that the players are not playing for management at all. So... It's just been a downward spiral um, ever since that first opening league win um, in, uh, under Kevin Martin against nice Dublin, Dublin, but it turned out to be a fairly depleted Dublin side. Um, you know, it's been just downhill. We've been relegated from Leinster. Uh, we've been relegated to Division 2A. And we're staring relegation to Christy Ring down the barrel of a gun, both barrels. And something has to change over the next couple of weeks. I don't know what it is, um, but players and management... I, 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 don't, I actually don't have the answer right now, but something needs to change. They are better than what they're showing. I've no doubt about it. Um, but, uh, you know, we certainly we certainly need to get some of our best hurlers on the field and, and start producing performances and stop making excuses. You know, there's too much finger-pointing and blame, and blame culture in awfully hurling um, at the moment. And those that are, are there at the coalface really need to suck it up over the next couple of weeks and, and find something... And, and, and get a performance look what Cork did you know everyone was nailing um, 
Yeah. About to put the final nail in the coffin for Cork after the performance against Tipperary, they're finished. They're, and okay, they've better hurlers, but they still, what they brought back to them was their work rate, their hunger, their drive. Like, that, that's a given for me at any count again. Okay, I might be there every single day, but you know, you have no excuse. And, and they certainly have no excuse for that over the next few games. Don Logue said he was asked before the match against Limerick and he said with Cork sometimes they didn't have faith in the manager he said but if you don't get on with your manager you don't have faith in your manager he says that's put aside when you go to war with Cork and he was right and he said we've often won games where the players can take control a little bit and we've won games where we haven't believed in the manager so like I mean the players need to cop themselves on here as well, Michael. Like, yeah. I mean, to me, looking from the outside, it looks like maybe there's a Manchester United toxic group of players that are, are turning everything sour, maybe. I'll, like, I'll go to Brian next after this, but look, this is from me and you just looking yeah. from the outside because if Car- Donald Logue's able to say, look, a team of mature players... And we, I've done this with Port Leash before. We've yeah. taken complete control in player meetings Absolutely. away from what the manager's saying because he wouldn't have had it much of yeah. a clue. And you can still win. Yeah. You I, know, I've been there myself, fully. Like, and as a group of players, you meet up. You, like, yeah. you're, you're the ones crossing the line. You know, so the manager can't cross the line with you. You're the ones wearing your county jersey, and you're there for a reason because you love it and you love your county. Have a bit of pride. It's very like leaders don't blame the management after because of how you performed on the pitch. And that is up to the group of players to meet each other. Look each other in the eye and say, like, lads, what are we here for? Are we here for, like, what's the point in putting on an awfully jersey and going out and then playing awfully and then blame, blaming the manager after? Like, who gets any joy from that? Not the players yeah. or the management. So it's definitely the players have to take personal responsibility. Will you have a chat with each other and go out and make sure that they're not relegated? And then, then you can start from next year and start building, and the management mightn't be there, whatever happens in awfully hurling. But the players, it starts with the players, definitely, 100%. They're the ones crossing the line and they're the ones who can make a difference on the pitch. So yeah. I, I think, like, whoever's the leaders in that team, Ryan would know better, has to get them together, round them up and say, like, just show a bit of pride because they are a better team than what they're hurling. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always on for the, on the player's side on this because a manager sets the tone. Yeah. And, but this is countless amount of managers, Brian. Like, yeah. I mean, at what point do players go, are they realistically going to sit... Um, look at each other as Christy Ring hurlers are they going to because the easy thing now is to blame Kevin Martin yeah. and that's grand and now they have another excuse and another manager will come in until they get some of them to get their noses out of joint and then they'll down tools and they've been down in tools for a long time like I mean I, is this uh, ever fixable or do they just deserve Christy Ring now at this stage yeah look there's a lot of factors at play here I fully agree with you those players that need to lead need to lead and we're talking about the likes of Joel Bergen Shane Dooley Connor Matten Collie and these boys are around a long time and, and they really need to step up now and and uh, as you're you know saying that they need to start out this panel and, and make sure everyone's pulling their way there are other factors of play we had a couple of players returning from injury uh, Kevin Connolly from my own club just her, obviously hurled her the year last year gets 10 minutes you know um Shane Kinsella, another player returned from injury, you know, Hurland County for a good number of years now. He only gets half an hour. Like, these guys, if, if they're anywhere fit, they should have been starting in, in essentially what was a do or die game against Westmead if they wanted, if they really wanted to qualify. So, you know, we need our best runners on, on the field as well. That That is also an issue. And as I said, there is a little bit of disharmony over where certain players are playing. But all those excuses go out the window and I, I won't accept them anymore. And I, I fully agree with you and back here on this one. The next two games that they have to play all these issues are doing. I don't care where you're asked to play or what you're asked to do you do whatever it bloody takes and as a group of players they have to do it and and stop blaming and that's the easy option as far as I'm concerned and yeah maybe maybe um, like maybe it will take a relegation again for, for some of these players you know to finally go away from off your because you know what they are like they're only fooling themselves in the long run if they think that what they're doing is good enough and this constant blame culture so I don't want to see it happen far from it um, I'd rather they got their act together over the next couple of weeks and just preserve the Joe McDonough status but at least assuming there's going to be a change of management over 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 this year, from this year into next that at least the, the new manager coming in there has something to work on he can clearly try and build win division 2A that's a given and then make a serious attempt at, at um, the Joe McDonough next year because we have better players 
but some of them just need to, to cop on as you said um, but look it's across the board I think as players and management need to take take responsibility too they're, they're, they're both um, at fault here Yeah okay great stuff we'll be back and we'll take a look at a couple of the matches can't touch this a few weeks later, they played Phil Kenny below in Nolan Park. The same year. And oh, they were being hockey. But the camera went in and said, oh, there was a fellow warming up. And Jesus, you should see him. <laughs> yeah, that fuck. He was massive. Legs, ass, belt. And I burst out laughing watching him. <laughs> there he was, the epitome of what I said. I told you, homeboy. You can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living and you know. You can't touch this. Look at my eyes, man. So we'll start off with this one, lads. Cork 126, Limerick 119. Limerick were, I thought, decent in the first half. Mm. Like, I mean, they played well. I thought it was the second half that just completely yeah. fell apart for for whatever reason. We were talking here last Thursday, Michael, with Cheddar, and we are talking about Cork don't suit Limerick. And the reason we were saying that is, you know, like styles make fights and Limerick half back line like to drop off yeah. and cover. You do that with Cork, they'll just pick out their half forward line with nice little passes. Get, see, Cork are the masters at this short game. Limerick are very good at it, yeah. but Cork are better at that game than Limerick. Limerick just don't like playing Cork. No, they obviously don't. And the big thing for me, Willie, is maybe the underdog tag, which Limerick are all, have always had up to the last year when the All-Ireland they came in as favourites to this game and they, I don't think they handled it too well to be honest with you because you know as underdog you come out and you're fighting you're in the face everybody and Limerick just didn't have that edge about them yesterday they started the game off very brightly but as you said Cork's half-back line pulled back supported all their midfield and half-back line and Limerick just didn't have space and they didn't have the crisp passes that we're used to seeing them like, no short crisp no, passes no they were going loose and what epitomised it for me was Coyle Hayes came out twice on the sideline and balls he'd normally control bounced off his hurl he got a ball five minutes there, it went to hand pass, it hand passed to nobody and Corker on the ball. And it was just, they just weren't synchronised. We're normally seeing them and it, Cork just got in their face and just, you're right, it just didn't suit them. The whole game plan didn't suit Limerick. But yeah. I just don't think they handled the favourite tag very well, to be honest with you, because they just didn't have that fight that we're used to seeing them. Again, they started the game really well. I'm not writing off Limerick in any way, but I just think they didn't handle that, that tag as, as good as they should have. As good as they should yeah. for, for, It looked like to me there was a full back line, a full forward line on both ends, Brian. And in between that, there was just madness going on. Like it was just a war zone. A little, yeah. bit, a little bit like what Dublin did to Limerick. The difference between Cork and Dublin is they have Patrick Horgan and Alan Cadigan <laughs> inside and Dublin just didn't have that. Do you know what I mean? So f- the obvious the tactics against Limerick is flood that middle third, flooded with bodies. Yeah, no, very valid point. And I just want to pick up on Michael's point, and I think it's it's hugely valid that Limerick weren't really good as favourites, and it was like they were offended almost by Cork that Cork were so in their face and were tackling so hard and, and tracking in such numbers. And I thought one particular moment when he Lynch burst forward in the second half. It was about forty nine, fifty minutes gone, and you know there was five or six Cork lads around him hanging out of him, and eventually he got a swing off of one hand and it was blocked, but he came back for a free. What's this? Like, I'm, this shouldn't be happening. And you can see the body language on the limit guys going, "Holy God! Like, this is you know, this isn't going to be our day already." And that was twenty minutes out from from the finish, and it was it, that was bringing it back. He won that free. That was bringing it back to a point. But you know, the whole body language was like, "What are these boys doing to us?" It's usually us that are the bully. So it didn't really. Maybe they believed a little bit of their hype. Let's let's be honest. I know they might like to hear that, but I I think they did, and I think John Kiley will be very honest and and, and I think appreciate that statement. That you know they're so used to uh, last year being the underdogs and getting in people's faces and working um, so hard and the same throughout this league. They still were the bullies throughout this whole league, but Cork just turned it on its head today, and they really didn't like it a little bit. So. It's something. It's a challenge for them. I think they can overcome it, um, but it, it certainly is a challenge, and they're going to have to get used to it because there's a there's a far cry from Championship hurling and league hurling. And as you constantly said, that league was a bit of a farce, especially when we look back on the cold light of day. Um, you know, so you really couldn't go on any of the standings of the league whatsoever. But yeah, going back to your original point, middle third, absolute war zone. Um, but they, they really disrupted Limerick's game plan in particular and um, as you said they, they, they worked the ball really well through the lines and then struck long inside and the two boys inside were lethal 
um, and they were really on their game. And what, uh, like, what a positive from a Cork perspective. Bear in mind that Alan Cadigan wasn't available last year whatsoever. And to think how lethal their forward line is when it's, when it's in form, let alone bringing in the likes of, of Alan Cadigan. So you think, you know, hopefully um, Connery Hans' injury isn't too bad. You add him into that attack now as well. And Cork are going to take serious stops, yeah. especially now that they have their gander up. Yeah, Connery Hand then can go out to his best position in the half forward line. Probably. Seamus Hardy was over in Dermot Burns, I think, was he? Or it was hard to tell on the TV, but he was definitely either, well, obviously Hannon or Dermot Burns. Carney was, I thought Carney was at centre forward at one stage. That's why I was saying that. It's so hard to tell. It's no, such it a war zone. And there's so much movement in the half forward line, Willie. Like. But, we we, but the point I was making, we saw nothing or not much we saw nothing of Dermot Burns brilliant deliveries we saw nothing of Declan Hannan's brilliant yeah. deliveries so yeah. we, th- that was completely disrupted as yeah. well and Dan like Dan Morrissey that half back line for Limerick is sets up everything for that Limerick attack and they're so good at distributing the ball and they hadn't a minute Willie because they're so busy chasing Cork lads around the pitch and then whenever they got the ball they were surrounded by Cork men they can like, I was really a little, like I heard Dahi Regan saying he was so impressed with Cork and then watching it on telly I really really was impressed with them because just their work ethic and your your work the work ethic against the best working team in Ireland at the moment is who, who is Limerick. Yeah. And to stop them the way they did, it's definitely a point that every team is going to stand up and notice because it's what you have to do against Limerick. And you're dead right. The only difference between Dublin and, and Cork was the inside forward man. Like Patrick Horgan was immense yesterday. Yeah, he missed a lot though. Like, no, I mean, he, he, he was did excellent. miss for his, for his standards, Willie. But yeah. just some of the point taken, like he was surrounded by three or four Limerick mats at times and just over his shoulder. He's the riskiest hurler in Ireland. Like, he's yeah. just, it's phenomenal. And when he's this confident at the moment, he's going to take some stopping. Yeah. Peter Casey seems to have taken um, Seamus Flanagan's place, Brian. And. Like, I mean, Peter Casey's a very good player, but for me, he's not a patch on Seamus Flanagan, what he brings to that Limerick team. No, and, and I was listening to Thursday's show and I had to fully agree with Cheddar. For me, Seamus Flanagan was what was the difference in, in this Limerick team last year in that he brought huge physicality. Think back to his hit on Garoad McInerney in Northern Ireland last year. Yeah. Just set the tone. And his movement, his physicality, his direct running when he did win the ball... Um, I think he's a huge loss to that Limerick setup, and I know Peter Casey has a really good league. But to me, it's horses for course. Seamus Flanagan has to be that man that starts that game, puts in the shift for forty-five, fifty minutes, and maybe then you've Casey to come in or or do other subs that are buzzing around the place. But uh, I think not starting Seamus Flanagan is a is a, a big mistake from a Limerick perspective. Yeah, Daniel Carney was back to his best. He was, was back brilliant. to last year's form. Like, and he was really out of sorts against Tipperary. And to be fair, and it was it wasn't him that went to midfield. I think Dignan might have made a mistake. It was Luke Mead went to <laughs> midfield along mm-hmm. with Fitzgibbon. So Carney still played in his favourite position. He just he, he was a completely different player yesterday. Yeah. And maybe it's that he got that free role where he wasn't being followed, and or maybe you know it's it's hard to know. But he was popping up in space yeah. all over the field. And that's the thing which I think with Cork against Limerick. You can let a lad off for any other team and the chances are it's going to be cleared down and you're going to intercept mm. it. You let a lad off with Cork and sure they just they tap it around yeah. like Gaelic football. Yeah, and so there's always someone being picked out and they used the short stick pass way more than Limerick. So Limerick never got to use their spare men. I know there wasn't much space anyways yeah. but whatever short good passes were given seemed to be Cork kind of doing it. Yeah, and what's hugely impressive really is his engine. Like you've seen him so many times getting hooks and blocks or getting a hurl in around the middle and half back line. And then the composure up the field to take the scores he was taking. Yeah. Like that that takes an awful lot of of composure and work like in he's hugely impressive and he's so important for Cork but again why wasn't he like that against Tiff like what was the issue there I think it was the deliveries of balls because that type of player he needs that short 20 yard ball and doesn't need a high ball on top of him and that was happening against Tiff so I think Cork got that right Moyler got that right and changed that game plan around and that's the way Cork have to go forward because high balls don't suit Cork anyway whatsoever Yeah, we've seen like Brendan Mark come out with ball and ball I think it's the collective yeah you're right it's just they need to give that short ball and a movement and they got it right this week and they have to stay with that game plan. Another quick one here, Brian, is do you remember that uh, picture you sent me before of all the pitch sizes? And on that picture is the yep. Gaelic grounds is 137 metres long. 100, Crow Park is 145. Now, I checked, obviously just checked Wikipedia there this morning. I checked it for another show and it says 137 as well. Now, when you look at the Gaelic grounds marked out, the distance between the, tw- the 14 and the 21 
is much smaller than the distance between the two 65s, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. the two, distance between two 65s has to be seven metres yeah. as well. So either they don't have it marked out right or it's not 137 metres. But the pitch definitely looked short in that middle zone. Like There was no room for anybody. Whereas in Crow Park, I don't think there would, there would be that kind of close quarters. No, I'm... Like, yeah, look, I suppose it's in black and white there, 137, there's eight metres in the difference, and that, that can only be in the middle of the field, you know. Oh, yeah, um, or else they haven't marked the 65s right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, so there's a in the middle of the field, but those eight, eight metres by, what, about 90-odd wide, like, that's a huge space um, in difference. And, and look, anyone that's used to playing hurling or football, you know massive difference from field to field in terms of space when, when you have a, a larger distance between the 65 so it, it allowed um, it, I suppose it allowed Cork to be you know getting back you know funding back into those positions a little bit easier you know when we're talking about Daniel Carney and Luke Mead and these boys falling back into the half back line and there was times that Daniel Carney was back as far as the, the 21 metre line for their own but that's what allows it it's just they don't have the same distance to cover now he has the engine to do it. He now knows he's capable of doing it, um, and, and, and pick up those points as well down the other end of the field. So, look, I think no matter who you are, you're a confidence holder. I think um, they now know they can do this. They now found their template, and you know, I, I, I think um, I think it's the way modern hurling has gone as well. You know, I think we have to give credit to Tip as well um, in their performance against Cork in that they kind of did the same thing we're talking about they, they, they really flooded that middle third they worked back so that their their launch pad of a half back line were so dominant in that game so you know it, it's it's very obvious that the, the same tactic is trying to be employed by so many teams at the moment yeah no it's very similar I thought an interesting I thought Mark Ellis Mark Ellis in comparison to Tim O'Matney he there's calm around him, whereas I think Tim O'Matney's a bit a little bit kamikaze at times, and he was a forward as well. So Mark Ellis knows how to play that position, and you're more relaxed with him there for me. So I don't know why he ever wasn't on it. Mark Coleman was outstanding, back to his normal, uh, brilliant distribution and calmness on the ball. Robert Downey was an interesting yeah. one. He played full forward as a minor, a big, long, rangy fella, and he was obviously brought into Mark Garrod Hegarty. They brought him in. Um, in the league game in the Gaelic rounds as well didn't play against Tip back in again so Myler made a few good decisions like I mean took off Sean O'Donoghue at half time Noel O'Leary was outstanding Cadigan was the first one in you never yeah. would have thought that uh, O'Donoghue was getting a bit of a licking off Graham Mulcahy um, Cadigan you wouldn't have thought he would have been straight in first 0-3 from play so like I mean he did, Steve McDonald came on obviously for O'Donoghue at half time so he made some good calls like Shane Kingston only getting on after 60 minutes mm-hmm. was one I thought he could have got in after 50 because he was hard done by <laughs> not to start but in fairness John Myler he did a lot of things he did a lot of things right yeah he looked at that tip game well he made necessary changes and as Brian said Ellis had a had a bit of an easier task with the back with the half forward line dropping back. They didn't yeah, do no, that against true. Tip, so they covered a little bit there. But Cork's back line hurled well yesterday, and look, you're not going to stop everyone. And Graham McCarthy had a great game, and someone's always going to step up in the forward line and hurl well. But like the hand the hand down a championship debut, and especially against Hegarty, he was a tough tough man to mark. They all stood up and hurled really well, and if they have that support system, and because they're so composed, then going forward and find that man. You don't have that opposition's half-back line getting on ball all the time. So, as Brian said, that's the template going forward now and Cork just have to stick to it. Yeah, exactly. Just the referee often t- think uh, the half-time whistle came at the right time for a team. Yeah. Whereas the half-time ref- uh, whistle came the right time for the referee because he was starting <laughs> to have a stinker. And then he pulled it all together. So, he obviously <laughs> had a chat with his linesman and went, OK, calm down. They gave him a pep talk because before half-time he was getting all sorts of things wrong. Carney dived and he gave him a free. Yeah. Galan won a fair ball behind Cadigan and free. he seemed to give a free yeah, against Galan. Yeah. And then the, the most crazy one was uh, Mark Coleman got a yellow card for yeah. what wasn't even a free at all against uh, Garrod Hegarty. Yeah. So, but in fairness, he came out in the second half. He stood up and was counted, Michael. And he, <laughs> he wasn't the same ca- like kind of disaster as he was just before half time. Yeah, i seen him. Uh, Moyler was in his face walking off the yeah. pitch after I mean, then so the Limerick lads were straight over as well. Do you like, know so. what I liked about the referee is that he had a laugh and answered him back. Yeah, it was like, yeah. you know, when a referee just walks off and ignores you. That oh, you'd be he, gave, he obviously said something to Moyler and explained himself. Yeah in some way he looked like some a personal referee that you wouldn't I, I have yeah. more sympathy on him yeah Moyler definitely looked like he, he okay he took it on the chin and said right that's grand yeah. look, look 
I suppose the referee it's Championship hurling. It's intense down there in Gaelic Park, and you're going to have the crowd shouting at you everywhere. And look, he went into the dressing room, settled himself, and obviously came back in and had a really good game in the second half. It's an awful, awful hard game thing to do as referee ma- hurling match because you do get in it from both sides all the time, and it's so quick and things happen so quickly. But there were some awful decisions in that first half. Yeah. But obviously, the little talk at halftime worked, and he came out. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know what he said to Myler actually, because Myler was making a beeline. Nice to trousers. Him, and he, he, <laughs> he made a, he made a smile at Myler and said something to him, and Myler just turned around, and accepted yeah, it, and walked did. away from him. <laughs> Maybe we need to know need to know his secret. Anyways, right, we may move on for that one because Brian, you were in Parnell Park. Um, Michael, you were working, so was, you weren't yeah. you weren't at this one. You were watching the ones on television, like myself. Um, actually, I go to you first, Michael. Maddie Kenny said after the game, the character of this team has been questioned. When? No. Where? I think it's who, just a thing Amanda who, say. Who did this? This is this is a, a siege mentality <laughs> that nobody knows about. Like, I mean, when since when has that been the case? Yeah, no, I haven't heard any talk about Dublin's character. Um, well, I, you know how optimistic I was about Dublin, and I was in Nolan Park against Kilkenny, and I left a bit dejected to be honest with you. I was, oh, I've no doubt you did. I, I was sitting in the middle of the Kilkenny <laughs> crowd, and I was giving it welly in the first the first half, and roaring and shouting, and you know they they get animated down there <laughs> quickly, and um, look after the whole catch. In, in the first half it sort of the Kenny crowd got on, on Dublin's back and what disappointed me was after a few points with Kenny Dublin's belief went and i seen a huge lack of leadership that I didn't see in the league from number 8 to 15 there was no one up there standing up and being counted for like when Park Walsh went back and marked Danny that was sort of like on, he, Danny's not in the game now what do we do yeah. and no one they didn't know what to do for puck outs and I started thinking to myself geez, like that's a real real big flaw now going into the rest of the championship and when I watched watched the game last night, then on Sunday game, I was a bit more, a little bit more optimistic. I thought they deserved to come out with a draw throughout the game, but it, it, like Maddie made two big changes for me. Connell Keeney came in, and what Connell does in, in is physicality in, in Parnell Park. So he went centre forward, and Sutcliffe went midfield. Yeah, so. I, I don't, I, I don't know if Danny that went what happened, midfield, Brian? Brian, he was wing forward. Wing forward, right? He, he actually went wing forward. Um, Matt O'Hanlon followed him though. So uh, okay. he played a lot of the game at 10. Danny Sutcliffe was midfield, yeah. But Danny got really caught up in um, kind of off-the-ball stuff. <clears> he was being really targeted and, and he was getting. He was trying to stop the, the movement of the Wexford um, players under their puckouts and he really got taken off his game. He got, he got a yellow card um, early in the first half as well. So Danny wasn't at his best. But there was actually one piece of good refereeing again and I may as well say it now. Um, Sean Murphy... Um, belted uh, Danny Sutcliffe Danny gave him a, a belt back you know not a major just a bit of usual handbags and um, Sean Murphy threw himself to the ground and uh, purely trying to get him sent off and in fairness to Horgan he saw it he did but he was only five metres away and he, straight away he just indicated he had to get up off the ground basically yeah. he's like I'm not having any of that like. brilliant yeah and Westwood went nuts and, and uh, you know uh, Davey was up in the stand at this day the Sirius Bolton was going mad he was roaring in and he was you know was but I thought fair play to Horgan he just said get up off the ground I'm not, I'm not having any of that and you know um, so, so you have to acknowledge that like that's a real Horgan no further hard and played the game at the top level because so many other referees down the country would have given probably two yellows or even worse they could have given a right card to any Sutcliffe and it would have been a travesty yeah. yeah there's an issue here Michael with Dublin though so they've they've had leads in the last five yeah. minutes against Galloway Wexford and Kilkenny in 2018 but lost all three games they were four ahead of Kilkenny at half time last weekend and they led Wexford by five after 55 minutes but didn't win either game I, I, I said to my dad at half time last week, Willie, I said, uh, I'm fearful now they're going to come out and try and defend this lead. And so, keep playing the way they're. Like, what gets you the lead in the first place? It's attacking hurl and being in their face. And what happened last week was the, no belief. It's a mentality thing. They just sat back and said, Look, we're going to defend this. And it never works against the top teams. And uh, yesterday, again against Wexford, doing really well, getting on. And I don't know, he took Connell off and he took. He took Keane Boland off. Both doing well. They got five Boland. points between them. Off the highlights, Boland looked like he was flying it. And Keane's a really good hurler. Keane's problem is uh, staying fit. Like He's always injured. He just can't get a run of games. Where he's, but like, I've marked him in training. He was a young lad when I came in. He's a flyer. <laughs> like He's across that line. He has confidence and he'll take a score if you leave him space. And that's what he did yesterday. They were huge differences for me yesterday because Dave Tracy started against Kilkenny. Him and Paul Ryan are so similar. They're free ball merchants. They're really good, but they're not going to go up and win a ball for you. Like, a 50-50 ball, you need to win. And I don't think both of them can be in that forward line together. Right. So when Keeney came off and Dave went on yesterday, 
Dublin sort of slipped up and that was the I think they lacked leadership in the last 15 minutes of that game yesterday so for me that they're huge points and I think Maddie Kenny's going to have to take that forward I don't know if Connell has 70 minutes in him like you know he's 36-37 he looks fit and he keeps himself in great nick but yeah. whether he can get 70 minutes of high tempo hurling in you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe but, not. Um, yeah, but usually when you get to that age, you're just yeah, coming no, off. You have a lot of very valid points there. <coughs> yeah. I'm sorry, a lot of valid points there. And Team Owen, I've definitely scratched my head when I seen him coming off. Yeah. He was so industrious and had got three points. And he was brilliant. Uh, both goals for Westford could have been invited by Dublin. So they were playing the ball really well. They were defending really well. They were trying to play the ball across... Um, the square uh, for the first particular goal and you know it's just a poor touch lasting concentration Sean Murphy intercepted it and drove forward and, and they got the goal out of it and then the second one uh, I don't know it was a Paddy Smith or McDonald coming out to the ball and should have controlled it but, but it went too far ahead of him and a, and a Westford guy intercepted it was Sean Morris, again, yeah. so they both could have been avoided yeah so um, like, yeah Sean Moore yeah, and he was obviously excellent so both those goals could have been invited. They really stopped Wexford's poke out after the first 10 minutes. Now, in the first 10 minutes, Wexford tore them apart. Mm. Uh, they got two points from Sean Murphy and they got another one off the German O'Keefe and he missed from the middle of the field. But then after that, Dublin went man-on-man all over the field and Wexford didn't know what to do. Um, and this particularly was, was prevailing in the second half when Dublin really got on top and they got that lead, that five-point lead, Um Wexford were just like Mark Fanning was in the goal and he had no options and they literally couldn't get the ball past the 65 yard line mm. um, Dublin won every single one of them they were like a wall but after they got that first goal and then they got that second goal soon after it as well um, Wexford started to go long they started to try and find leads in and they started to push players up the field because up to then they were literally playing like a football team that one lad inside the 45 metre line they had about 12 players um, inside the you know the forty five back twenty one meter line and uh, a couple inside the full full forward line, but uh, it was real kind of burst up. But then they clearly changed their tactics and they went very offensive, like matching Hanlon going up under the puck house, Potty Foley going up under the puck house, you know the the seven or eight attackers. So it wasn't until they actually started putting bodies forward that Western made any inroads whatsoever, and and they could have stolen it. I thought. Um, you know, they they should have seen it out at that stage, being honest. Um, Dublin were, were dead and buried in that last five or ten minutes. But uh, it just shows funny, Hurling's a, a funny old game. And, you know, a three-point three lead, there's no such thing as a big lead in, in, in Hurling. And, you know, I thought that probably a fair result. I thought it was a really entertaining game, though. Right, fair result in the end. So it was Kevin Foley then that was a sweeper. He's the sweeper this year, isn't he? So Dublin pushed right up on him and tried to go seven against seven one side and five against five the other side. No, no, that would have been under the puck out. All right. Uh, so they tried to put Sean Tracy man-marking Kevin Foley. So there was a lot of stuff going on off the ball there. Sean Tracy was just trying to stand beside him. Dermot O'Keefe and Sean Murphy, a few more of them, were, were constantly trying to keep Sean Tracy away from Kevin Foley. But it worked. And and what, the, what Dublin were doing is they had a clear tactic. They actually went route one. They were trying to hit Liam Rush inside um, and, and feed off him. It didn't always work, but that's what they were trying to do. But uh, Kevin Foley, not until probably the last 10 minutes did he start to have any influence on the game whatsoever. And that was because uh, the Wexford players actually had left that area and he was just picking up loose balls because their, their half-backs in the field had started to push up. So Kevin Foley was by and large, um, you know, null and void for a long period of that game. And at that stage, Dublin had started to retreat as well. They were starting to defend their, their, uh, their lead. Right, okay, maybe that's a thing with Dublin. It's a it's funny one with Dublin if that's what they do then, Michael, because if if any team I've ever been on my whole life and you're in the dressing room at halftime after doing well, yeah. the message will be keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So this isn't coming from a manager maybe. This is maybe the Dublin... Is this the Dublin players? What You know, I've I never d- really heard a manager saying, right, well, we're five-point lead, let's defend this. No, no it's, it's, I think it's just a belief thing, Ollie. You know when you go out on the pitch and... Especially when someone like if you go out early in the second half and the opposition gets a point and the crowd gets behind them, what I've seen Dublin over the last two weeks is they sort of start going back into themselves and oh let's defend this now they don't don't let them get on top yeah. and the complete opposite happens that's exactly what like you're feeding into the other team so I think Dublin just have to go out there's a reason why you're going in five points up and like against Kenny they're in their face they weren't giving Kenny a minute and then all of a sudden a point or two comes in and it's like oh can we beat these here 
like that doubt comes in and, and it spreads throughout the team and it's definitely you need someone to stand up at that stage and win a big ball especially in your forward line because that's where Dublin sort of lack lack leaders they have them all over their back line but they really lack big ball winners in their forward line and no one's done that really in the, in the last two weeks yeah. when, you, when, you, when you need it like no one steps up when you need yeah. it and O'Connell was taken off when, in the boiling point yesterday like you know so he wasn't there for that so I just think and when you're looking at the lads who are coming in they're good hurlers, but they're not leaders of that team. Yeah. So, like, I don't in that forward line. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there, Michael. Needs the, leaders, you know. The forwards made no impact whatsoever. Yeah. The subs made no impact, and, yeah. and they had a couple of opportunities as well, but they were just completely pushed off the ball at every opportunity. And yeah, that that would be a massive issue. I definitely agree with you there up front. They had no real ball winners. Liam Rush was inside, but yeah. um, he, you know, he, he won a couple of balls, but he didn't have a massive influence on the game. Danny Sutcliffe only caught one poke out that I could think of off out in the wing when he was isolated. But, uh, you know, neither Danny Sutcliffe nor, nor Liam Rush actually scored. So down the centre, they weren't getting much return. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. every team's going to mark them too, Willie. So, like, it's up to the other four forwards then. Someone has to step up and, and win a ball, and then, then you can't be as tightly marked then, you know? Like, so it, it, it's it's my fear for Dublin at the moment. You need another forward or two um, to start being leaders that that forward line. Yeah. If they do, they'll cause trouble, but at the moment they're not there. Right. Okay. Davey said after the game that it didn't make a difference whether they drew or won. They needed a result because they're going to have to win two of the next three games, one way or another, which he has a fair old pint yeah. um, there. I suppose maybe if they draw another one, we'll see what he did. <laughs> he, did, he didn't mention that alright we'll leave it there and we'll be back with Paddy Power performance of the weekend yeah we, I, we do yeah. we have a farm back home so we have, we have a big farm back home and we have, we have uh, cattle and sheep and we have a few donkeys as well so um, we have a couple of Philly donkeys uh, so I brought them down and so we did we actually sold them to uh, I think we had four donkeys on the day and we told them to a man from Wexford so we did so there's, there's the piebald donkey so they are and there's, there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey and there's the, the Spanish donkey and then there's the Spanish uh, donkey yeah, you, see, you see them on the on the beaches and, and so um, yeah you can actually one time one time the the donkey was useless right? but now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage and uh, it's used towards your would say your bonuses your clients a donkey, a donkey in Eden, and a donkey in Eden Palace. All right, Paddy Power performance the weekend, and we're going to have to start with Killian Doyle because we mentioned Westmead's brilliant win over Offaly but uh, we didn't go into too much detail about it. He scored 110 in, in the first half alone, um, Brian. He got 112. Very disappointed he only followed <laughs> the 110 up with two miserable points in the second half. But they had it won really at half time. So maybe he did it when it, when it mattered. 1-6 was from play. Um, fantastic return from your centre half forward, Brian. Yeah, and, and Killian Dyle's on the scene a long time from a Wesley perspective. You know, he's one of the... the the Dial Twins and he um, he has serious pedigree and he's done it time after time for, for club and county and racks up big scores when he's in form so not surprised to see him nominated this weekend and you know you give him space and time he will punish you and that's exactly what happened on, on, on Saturday and um, you know he's, he's a fine hurler he's as good as what's out there in any county and um, you know 1-6 from play in the first half you know looks question marks around you know how close he was he'd been marked obviously but at the same time it's, it's a massive score to be up and as I said he has pedigree he's done this time and time and I'm not surprised to see it As a leash man I'm a little bit worried about Westmead they've won everything so far this year they've yeah. won the early season competition I can't think what name is on that now and then they won the league um, and they're obviously beaten by Carla last year in the Joe McDonough Cup final so like I mean um, they're obviously flying it and um, under Joe Quaid now, so maybe they've cranked it up a level, which I don't like to. I don't <laughs> like to hear because I thought we were great beating Offaly, yeah. and then Westmead hammered them, and now I'm wondering what. <laughs> don't know where you're at. <laughs> I don't know where we're at now at all. But uh, Ender Roland is number two, lads. Um, leash goalkeeper, outstanding. Scored three points, but outside of that, made an absolutely brilliant save from a penalty, and an even better save from play just before that. So he was all action. Um, he played really well Leash beat Antrim really well I went up to this one on Saturday 
Um, and they were by far the better team. They had a really strong wind at half time. It was over at half time. They'd gone 230. They had uh, 213 on the board. They were 10 points clear at that stage. They played Paddy Purcell at full forward and Willie Dunphy inside them. Two man full forward line with the two lads and they stayed close together Paddy Purse is a handful lads he's a brilliant brilliant player but I always knew him as a midfielder <laughs> as a wing forward but it was obviously a tactical decision from Eddie Brennan Mark Havanagh went out to um, centre half forward uh, Ross King was in the corner Ross probably trying to do a little bit too much when he got the ball shooting from uh, impossible angles sometimes from the sideline but he's got he's a really skillful hurler Ross is Leash have a really nice kind of blend about them I think you know like I mean they're moving they're moving really well imposing defenders and they have some danger up front so like I mean at this level Leash are a handful for anyone Absolutely Eddie Brown's done a fantastic job Willie like um I don't think he's hidden the fact where they want they want to win that the, the competition and that's it like you know and they're going out with full of belief and I've seen all over Twitter how Ender Rowland was magnificent everyone was raving about him I would have loved to have seen some of the saves they didn't show it anywhere unfortunately but um Look, the last didn't show any Joe McDonough last night either. No, no, okay. nothing. So unfortunately, you don't get to see any of this. But uh, um, look, he's doing a fantastic job, and they have to be favourites for that for winning Joe McDonough at the moment. Way they're hurling. Yeah, no, definitely. Chad Wire scored five from play as well. So like, like they ha- they have danger up there now, Brian. Don't they leash? Like, I mean, they have a good blend. Mulaney's a big imposing centre half back. <laughs> they have a mobile midfield, and I don't know. It's just I was impressed with them. Yeah, no, and in fairness, Eddie, he's 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 got them back hurling the way they should be hurling. Um, you know, these guys they were relatively successful in terms of their underage, underage pedigree, and um, they they'd have been used to beating Offaly and and Westmead underage, and you know, the, so I'm not surprised to, to see Eddie getting it back on on kind of back in the right direction. You know, Cheddar had done huge work with them, obviously, but he lost a lot of, of their stalwarts, obviously. You know, yeah. Willie Highland retiring and, and um, Tommy Fitzgerald. A couple more along with it, you know, and Tommy Fitzgerald, yeah. And in, in, in fairness to, him, to Eddie, he's, he's kind of stopped the rot now again. He's put it back in the, in, in the right direction and, you know, Lisa have, have some really good hurlers. I think Chad Wire is one of the best hurlers on, on his day. Um, he's happy to score you know, three, four, five points from playing, no bother. Um, he can sometimes hurl on the edge. He, he, he's a good man to pick up two yellows, um, but that's just sort of hardy tackles. Um, so he, he offers a both ways and, and from a from a defending, uh, attacking type of player. So he's he's a great hurler. So, no, at least they're moving in the right direction. Um, they, might, they should go for Westmead. I'm sure both teams will actually have a go at each other now uh, when, when they do meet and, you know, not be waiting for the Joe McDonough Cup, I think. Um, you know, I think we should see a really good final between them. And I know, interestingly, there I just read that um, TG Catter are going to be showing the Joe McDonough Cup final live. Yeah, heard so that's that. Good to see. Yeah, so that's fantastic. Anna Lyons started full forward but played at wing forward. He wasn't having a great day, and Aaron Dunphy came on from him for him. And he's a flyer, Aaron Dunphy. I was wondering how this lad hadn't started, so he played really well. Imagine he'll start there the next day. So Ender Rowland from Leash. We're doing a Cadigan family nomination, Alan and Owen together. I didn't think Owen deserved Man of the Match, personally. I thought uh, Daniel Carney was a stonewall banker for Man of the Match. He did well on Galan, but Galan got very little service. And when Galan mm. was getting good service, Michael, in the first half, he was giving Cadigan a, a few problems, you know? <laughs> yeah, Cadigan was smart. He's a very smart hurler. He's been around a long time. He made it into a battle there. Yeah. Like, he wasn't winning clean possession, but either was Galan. And because Cork had everyone back, they were sweeping up the ball then. And look, he, I think he was he, trash talking him too because yeah, they, were, they were hitting each other off yeah. every time they got a chance. They were mouthing off to each other, and look, there's nothing wrong with it. And from the back's perspective, I think he got it because Glenn has been so good, yeah. so good with yeah. the league. And if you're stopping that man in his home ground in Championship, you're doing something right. And the Glenn struggles for every ball he got, and if he did get a ball or score, he got a scored start, but it was a phenomenal score. Like the, no defender would stop it anyway. So. Um, he did a very good job. I wouldn't have had him as man the match either, but he did a great job fullback. Yeah, Alan Cadigan got three from play. I, I say it was tip. Yeah, go on, Brian. Sorry, I, I was just saying. I'd say he um, it was typifying the Cork defence as a yeah. unit, and Cadigan probably led it from the back, especially on Galan. I assume that that was the reason for him getting man the match because, as you said, up front they had a couple of real star performers, but. Uh, yeah, I assume that's the reason behind it. Maybe. Alan Cadigan kept, they were kept referencing on the COCOM about Alan Cadigan's movement. So he's moving from one side of the field to the other. He's picking up uh, 
diagonal balls and he made me think of John McGrath as well who scored five from play yesterday John McGrath just constantly picking up ball in in a lot of space and the reason he's getting the ball in space is because he's running from one corner the whole way over to the other and he's got pace and he was outstanding for Tipperary as well and I'll give you both Alan Cadigan and John McGrath Brian as as the corner forward union (laughs) I don't know if your movement was as good as theirs (laughs) No, it was worse than I'm afraid. No <laughs> point saying it wasn't. Didn't have the edge of the dim bike had. Um, oh, no, look, they're, they're phenomenal. You've seen snippets of the last night on the Sunday game where Alan Cadigan's point in one way, you know, he's just getting out there and it's mostly a nightmare to mark inside. Um, and obviously, John McGrath then touching on him, he's he's just, he's some man to rack up the scores. And I, and I, hilariously, I heard coming into the championship, oh, he's not going well. I was like going, John McGrath, I've never seen him not play well. You know, he's just he's just phenomenal. He's so elusive and he doesn't look to be even fast, but as you said, his movement is brilliant. Um he's he's a great attitude and he there's never a lost cause and he's able to he's able to just get a score out of nothing. He's great wrists as well. Um you know, probably just not as good at wrists as bubbles that were that everyone's raving about the whole time. But you know, as I said, time after time I've seen John McGrath put in savage uh, scoring performances. Um, but probably not as exciting as the likes of Alec Cadigan because he's just hurling on top of the ground. He pays to burn, and when he gets it, he's just he's turning as quick as he gets the ball, and he can leave a lad for dead and and, and score some just fantastic scores. So. As I said earlier, I think he's a massive plus to have him back on that Cork forward line. Essentially, that's what undone Cork last year in Ireland in the final was the fact that they didn't have a bench and, and Limerick blew them away an extra time. Whereas I think, um, to be fair, Myler this year identified that. Um, did did uh, try and get you know the likes of, of, of um, Murphy back in involved and... and you know, um, Cormac Murphy I'm talking about there and Aidan Walsh and the likes of these guys had heard before back in Ireland and uh, you know they're, they're looking at the bench and then the likes of Mark Ellis coming in so it's um, Cork now especially with the likes of Alan Cadigan up there they, they can be lethal Yeah Alan Cadigan's more exciting I, t- I definitely agree with you that he, Alan Cadigan's more exciting than John McGrath but yeah. John McGrath's a better hurling brain he's, he's, a, he's a cleverer player Yeah I love definitely. watching John McGrath it, it, Brian's bang on he doesn't look pacey or anything on the pitch yeah. but he leaves fellas for dead you know he just doesn't look like an, an athlete but he's such a good hurler and he'd be he'd be a dream to play there beside because his vision on the ball is unbelievable like you see it with Tip and their mindset is it's first goal goal like they, they could be 40 50 yards out and they're looking at goal you know and it'd be so good to play in that forward line because if you create any space for yourself they're going to give it to you and he's normally the, the instigator of that because he's so good like lad, you can see when he gets in the ball lads are running everywhere because they know he'll give it to them and he'll find them so yeah. he's great to watch top quality player yeah. anyone from Wexford Sean Murphy got three from play um, Brian from midfield and obviously if he was doing the man marking job and Danny Sutcliffe that's not a bad return Sutcliffe scores nothing you score three <laughs> yeah Sean Murphy was, was brilliant to be fair um, he got as I said his, his first two scores were from good tactical puck outs from, from Wexford uh, Dublin were trying to cover Kevin Foley but a huge movement and eventually Sean Murphy found himself freely marked and finally picked him out and he scored two great man scores but as you said he did a great man marking job with Danny Sutcliffe really upset him and put him off his game for large parts of it and you know he scored a point in the middle of their comeback in the second half and he also set up the first goal he intercepted that ball and drove forward with it so yeah no, he, he had a big bear in the game he's taken on for a couple of minutes to go but at, at that stage I thought Wex probably thought they had it Lee uh, Tim was very good in the freeze um but was very quiet in play for large parts of the game. But in the last 10 minutes, he really stood up. As I said, Westwood started to go route one. Uh, he was an outlet for their puckouts, and he scored a, a brilliant point when needed. Um, he also had a, a great run through the centre, and, and a goal nearly came off only for a brilliant save from Alan Nolan. He was really brave, came out and, and blocked down with his hands on Jack O'Connor. So, yeah, Leachin had his moments, particularly in the second half of the needle. But overall, it was probably a really tactical battle from um, that game particularly from a Wexford perspective and you know the likes of Rory kind of barely got to see the ball because of the, the tactics that they employ and we finished his goal really well stuck at the top corner we don't see enough from the likes of him we don't see enough from the likes of Conor McDonald but as I said I have some sympathy with him for the, for the style of Ireland that they're playing 
Okay, great stuff. Uh, nothing really from the Kilkenny Carlo game. It was one sided. Carlo rallied in the second half. Kilkenny have injury worries over Colin Fenley, Walter Walsh, and Alan Murphy. So that's bloody a disaster yeah, for them. Absolutely. And knowing the way the games come ticking <coughs> fast, if these are anything like muscle injuries, they're in yeah. big trouble. They're in big trouble. Um, there's no doubt about that alright Paddy Power performs the weekend goes to Daniel Kearney I thought he was absolutely brilliant he was buzzing all over the place and he was a huge reason as to why the Limerick half back line was disrupted number one and scored four from play and just bloody set everything seemed to be on the ball I don't know where he gets his engine from so yeah I thought he deserved man of the match forward again holy. <laughs> <laughs> forward again yeah Owen Cadigan was very Owen Cadigan was good yeah, but geez, no, I don't know I think you're right that because Galan had been shooting the lights exactly. out that he kept them to win in a point yeah. and then he deserved man of the match I love the look of this young O'Leary lad cornerback he's a hardy little bit of stuff yeah. he likes he's, to mix it up he definitely does right okay we may go um, we've, we've talked too much here for today right we'll be back on on Thursday we'll preview the matches at the weekend as usual we'll talk to you then good luck and when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going so it opened up we're only the small little fish out there so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.